0: What is going on, everybody? I'm meteorologist Joe Martucci here at the Press of Atlantic City. We are in a new location for our podcast. Usually, we're doing it from our studio at the Press. But starting now, we have some really exciting news. In partnership with Stockton University, we are bringing our Something in the Air podcast to the video and to the television. We are doing it all here. So it's a multimedia format. There's no reason... Why you can't listen to us and get the latest, not only in the months that were in our Sound Jersey climate recap, but also the latest and greatest on Sound Jersey climate, environment, and how it all impacts you. Now, we have our first guest in our rebranded episode coming with you in just a little bit. And boy, was it a doozy. We had Gary Sazowski. Gary, if you're in the Twitter universe, you know him from there, even if you don't. You might know him from the National Weather Service where he was the meteorologist in charge for a couple of decades here navigating the weather hazards, the weather warnings, and the communication out to all of us, most notably during Sandy, where that's where he really gained his fame in the weather world for basically putting out that, hey, if this storm isn't as bad as I'm telling you, you give me a call and you can tell me about it. Of course, nobody called. And then we also had him again become notable for apologizing for a couple of winter storms that didn't necessarily pan out as exact. And remember, weather isn't exact. Sometimes, yes, rarely we get it wrong. And Gary was on top of that and apologizing for that. But overall, he is a great guy. He is wonderful to talk to. I was very blessed to spend some time with him at the American Meteorological Society Conference in Boston in January and chat with him. And without further ado, we're going to toss it over to the man himself, Gary Sizowski. Okay, so we're here with Gary Sikowski, retired meteorologist in charge for the National Weather Service in Mount Holly and the owner of Our Weather US. And Gary, you've been a Jersey guy for quite a while, but you're a Chicago guy, at least uh, at the start. Yes. Uh, Chicago deep dish or Jersey pie now?
1: Oh, Jersey Jersey pie. And okay. actually even... Growing up in Chicago, my dad would get the pizza, and it was almost always like you know what we'd call a thin crust. So it's much more it was much more like a Jersey
0: pie than uh, than deep dish. So he knew what was good for him. He knew what was good for him, right. And
1: everyone else in the family too. So did you
0: feel like it came full circle when you came to New Jersey and you were you know you saw the thin crust pie that would be around here?
1: Uh, pretty much actually. Uh, you know, after we moved here. Um, um, I would talk about, you know, compare Philadelphia and New Jersey with the places we've been to before. Uh-huh. And it does remind me more, growing up in Chicago, of all the places I moved around in my weather service career. The, the local area here does remind me more of Chicago than any other place we went to. So that's okay. nice. That's all a
0: right. nice thing. We'll take that as a positive thing, <laughs> sure. Yes. So, yeah. you know, I like to ask this question with any other meteorologist I ask. So what sparked your interest in weather? Because I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that if you're a meteorologist, you've... Been wanting to be a meteorologist for a long, long time.
1: Right. Yeah. It's very hard to find someone who's wandered into meteorology by accident, yeah. you know, or just sort of <laughs> like, oh, I was going through the college uh, list of yeah. majors and oh, meteorology. That sounds right. good. You I don't know? think I know
0: anybody that's yeah, been like that.
1: Yeah. So yeah. No, I started at a very young age, and I can't even tell you um, uh, how just how young or what exactly it was. Um, but like coming home from school, I would look. This is back in the day when we had afternoon newspapers, uh, you know. So that's I'm dating myself, but. Yeah, just a but, um, but I would come come home from school, like from, we're talking first grade, second grade, I mean, at a really early age, and looking at, uh, the, turning to the weather page, you know, to see what uh, the latest weather forecast. Because I'd seen the weather forecast on TV in the morning before I went to school, right, and I okay. was looking for the update. You your
0: second round. Of uh, yeah, 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 see how
1: things were evolving. Uh-huh. Yes.
0: So, yeah. actually, we have to say uh, thank you for that, you know, being with the press of Atlantic City. Anybody that says newspapers, we go, hooray, you know, yeah, it's all great. Right, right. Um, but, uh, you know, you went forward. You went to St. Louis University in St. Louis, um, and uh, just tell me what that was like. You know, how many people were other meteorology majors? I mean, I know for me, like when I went to Rutgers, I was the only person I knew that was ever into weather, right? And then right. when I went to Rutgers, I'm like, wow, like there's all these yeah. people that are just like me. It's kind of crazy. Did you have yeah. like a similar experience? Yes. Now,
1: the department I was in was was pretty small because actually we were on a separate campus. On the mm-hmm. Illinois side of the river, it's called Parks College for, for right. the, you know, okay. and and that probably there's probably only about nine or ten people in that meteorology program, so not big as far as students. So we're not talking about a big yeah. crew like two or three or four each each <laughs> year graduating, but all you know, yeah, you're all with kindred spirits. You're all with um, you know people who have, who have a shared interest, um, and so that was pretty neat, you know, because yeah, I didn't have a lot of that grow. Growing up, I'd find other people were kind of interested a little bit in, in things weather, but not seriously, seriously, yeah, like right. I was, and like you find when you go to
0: college. Right. Were you all you guys pretty much friends?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, I was going to say, we socialized quite a bit, uh, and we got along. So, you know, some people, we lost a few people along the way. The math did <laughs> in a couple of uh, yeah, a couple, was, we And we tried to help. You know, that was one of the things, you know, we, you know, I think um, a lot of people who are outside of meteorology don't know just how math intensive it is, uh, you know, and science intensive it, it is. And it was hard for some people. And so we would help, you know, part of the socializing was helping each other, get, getting some people through calculus yeah. or differential equations. Yeah, so.
0: I, I always felt like our GPAs needed like a little bit of a boost in college because we were doing Calc 2, Calc 3, right. 4, physics, chem. Yes, It never worked out that way. I guess yeah. I have to keep putting the petition in. But what was, you know, when you were in college, what was hot in the streets? What was like the biggest thing in weather at the time?
1: Oh my gosh, that was a long time. <laughs> so Without I remember. Yourself. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I think just the um, there was a lot of understanding of uh, at that point. Well, I'm in the St. Louis area, so severe weather, convective severe weather, which means uh, severe thunderstorms, hail, wind damage, mm. tornadoes, and there was a lot of advancement in the science um, going on then. Uh, the first tornado warnings were. Only issued like about 25 years before I started going to school so tornado warnings the ability to do tornado warnings and frankly We weren't very good at doing tornado warnings back then right Um, But just the ability to try to do stuff like that was really still kind of um, you know I wouldn't say it was cutting edge, but it was pretty close to cutting edge The other thing was um, computer modeling was just kind of getting going uh, so numerical weather prediction now, you know, is the right. proper terminology, but, um, you know, we had we had just bare-bones computer models. We had the um, the barotropic, uh, which we don't know. Now run- we're throwing out big words. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. And then we had the PE, which stood for primitive equation, and that's like the great-great-grandfather of the GFS model that people, again, might know of now, that yeah. you get nowadays. Yeah. And, uh, and then the LFM, which was brand spanking new at that time and now has been put to sleep. So it's, yes. you know, there was a lot of, but you didn't, you just didn't have a lot of the tools that you have now. You know, Doppler radar wasn't happening yet. Uh, you know, there wasn't, uh, the satellite imagery was very crude compared to what you would, um, what you, you get now. And you would get it, no computers to speak of, so you would get it because uh, like a satellite image we would come over with this fax machine
0: yeah. you know so i feel like a lot of trees were killed during that process <clears throat> yeah yeah so yeah. Uh,
1: so everything yeah so everything was very paper oriented uh-huh. and um and there were new tools to kind of look at that were either new for that year or just started a year or two ago
0: right right now after you graduated college just kind of take us to how you got to be you know pretty much in charge of your own office you were in charge of the office in Mount Holly which I know is one of the largest by population right uh, so how what kind of may put you through your journey kind of a question too if you can answer it too like did you know you wanted to go into the National Weather Service did you have other interests what kind of who made you yeah. what made you who you are now
1: yeah well I did want to go into the National Weather Service one you know again I was kind of excited when I found out and this was even before I went to college that you know wow you can get a job and they'll pay you yeah you know But a lot of people, when I would tell them as I was getting in my high school years, they would be like, oh, what TV station are you going to be on? So there was a lot of redirection toward the broadcast meteorology. It was true back then. It's still true now that a lot of people get their weather information from television. So when I would mention something like the National Weather Service, you know, I get this deer in the headlights, kind of like, you know, what, gee, what's that? What you is this Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I like the National Weather Service because one, you, you know, they do weather forecasting. And then the second thing, I did like the public service aspect. I really did like the idea that um, you're helping people. They're the ones who are issuing the warnings, tornado warnings, uh, you know, blizzard warnings, whatever. Um, and so that's a real uh, public service aspect, and that was another draw for me.
0: Yeah, and I think for a lot of people who don't understand, you know, you're really the front lines of weather. You're putting out the warnings and the watches, and, you know, us in the media, we're taking what you say and put it out. We're almost the middleman in a sense. So you're the ones, you know, that are really monitoring and have to monitor because it's your job to protect lives and save people as well. Let me ask you did a uh, Government benefits play a role into that as well because they're pretty good sometimes, right?
1: I was gonna say government was a you know a, was a steady job. Uh, you know the pay yeah. is not super high, but they do things. You know you get you get annual leave, you get you know time off if you're sick. You, right. you know you, you actually do a, a rare word these days that you get a pension. Whoa. So
0: yeah, that, that's a word uh, That wasn't was so that wasn't
1: stuff. so unusual back then. You know, yeah. When I first started, there were a lot of private companies that did right. that too. But yeah, as time as times changed. Right. Uh, you know, those kinds of things are, are a little more rare than, than they, than, than, you know, they used to be.
0: And for a lot of meteorologists, uh, it involves a lot of travel across the country, right? Going from place to place, job to job. Right. So what kind of got you, where did you go across the country and how long were you at the National Weather Service of Mount Holly?
1: Okay. Yeah. we'll we'll do the journey after school. All right. Um, I started off with the weather service career in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Ooh, so to get into the point. yeah, so to get into the weather, I think Juneau, Alaska was another option. There might have been an office down uh, in the Gulf Coast states, you know. But I went with San Juan uh, to start, and that's not unusual in the weather services uh, to get into the weather service, get your foot in the door. A lot of times you're going, mm-hmm. you know, someplace or Bismarck, North Dakota, right. or you yeah. know. You know, places where it's a little harder than average to fill s- slots, they would be most more, you might be more likely to get yeah. it, the first job, your foot in the door. So I did San Juan, did that for a little over two years. I did it for almost two and a half years. I actually captured three hurricane seasons uh, there. Oh, uh, and then I went to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that office is down in Norman. Now it's at the, now it's down in, in the, the National Weather Center, but um Back then, it was up at the airport in Oklahoma City, and I was there for six years. Learned a lot about, there was a prototype Doppler radar, so I started to learn about Doppler radar, Got it. and learned a lot about severe weather um, in six years in Oklahoma, as you might
0: might imagine. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. So, so Severe then, weather we don't even see here in New Jersey. Uh,
1: yeah, we get some, but nothing. It, it tends to be a much bigger beast out there. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then I came east. I came east, actually to the Washington, D.C. area, where I did several different jobs over about an eight- or nine-year period. I actually worked at... Was there's headquarters for a while. Then there's a national national centers for environmental prediction, NCEP. I worked at their facility back back in the day when it was in Camp Springs, Maryland. It's now up at College Park. Okay. Uh, and then I worked. I moved back out into the field. I worked uh, as part of the management team at the Sterling, Virginia office, which is just outside of Washington, D.C. Is by Dulles Airport, which is to the west. And so I started my management career there. Actually, that was the first time I was actually. Uh, worrying about things beyond uh, you know what a, reg- a regular forecaster would be worrying about, right. and then after about three years there, I came up to Mount Holly, and that gets us up to 1997. Uh, where I was in charge of the Mount Holly office, uh, and that continued until until I retired in
0: 2016. Great, and uh, I'm sure that was a big milestone for you when you retired, and we're going to talk about a couple of other milestones. We have the National Weather Service celebrating anniversary, yes. NOAA celebrating an anniversary, and the American Meteorological Society celebrating anniversary. So yes. we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Okay, and we're back, and it is a huge, huge year in the weather world because we have three anniversaries to talk about. We have the 150th anniversary of the National Weather Service, the 100th anniversary of the American Meteorology Society, and we have the 50th anniversary of NOAA. So I think it's perfect to have Gary talk a little bit more about each of them since you've been involved with, well, all three of them. So what was your favorite moment in the National Weather Service, whether it was when you were at Mount Holly or maybe in Puerto Rico or wherever, in Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, it it was an interesting question. I struggled with it because I'm sort of like, you know, I had a lot of positive memories really wherever I went, you know. And so, you know, but we tend to, Meteorologists tend to, you know, I hate to say like active weather, but we tend to. That's where our memories tend to go, right, you know. Yeah. And so, so I going to drag that question back to, back to Sandy. Okay. So I wouldn't say obviously I wasn't happy, you know, that of all the, all the you know impacts that so many people suffered, so much property was damaged or destroyed. But I'll, I, the reason why I, I'll, I'll tie it to the word favorite is because of all the places I've worked, all the offices I worked, I was never more proud of my coworkers than the staff at Mount Holly and how they handled Sandy that that was literally you know the five alarm fire this was the the uh, the call to action of all call to actions, you know, and they did everything that was asked of them and then some more after that. And they couldn't have done any more than they did. So uh, I was really proud of them, happy to have been part of that. Uh, And uh, that's something that I'll always remember of them,
0: you know, how they handled Sandy. Right. And don't let me think I wasn't gonna let you talk about Sandy without having me ask you about (laughs) your famous personal plea about Sandy. Um, Um, Tell everybody what your plea was and, really why it was so successful
1: well um, you know going back to context with Sandy we'd had Irene the year before and we'd had a very good response I'd say in terms of people leaving the, the Jersey shore and we weren't seeing the same quality of response I think in part because people felt like there wasn't that much damage with Irene the year before and so Sandy uh, they thought it was going to be Irene round two, and so uh, it was becoming pretty clear that we had a, a, a coastal evacuation problem. And so, with about a day, day and a half to go, I, I snuck a slide in our briefing package that, um, where I kind of let that, you know stepped from behind the curtain and basically started talking in plain language. I basically said, you know, you need, you need to leave. You know, you need, you need to leave. Here's why. You know, if you don't believe me, talk to people who've been through the '62 storm, or you know. Right. Uh, and then I also said, you know, and, you know, and if you leave and, you know, you're displeased, you know, you can call me up afterwards and com- complain to me, but I just, I said, but, I, but my only response will be, I'll be, just be happy you're alive. Because yeah. I knew it was going to uh, nail us at that point in time, it was too far, it was too close in, rather, to, for us to escape major impacts and almost certainly a landfall in new jersey and i just wanted some people to, who weren't getting out of harm's way you know uh, ideally i would have loved everyone to get out of harm's way that didn't happen but some more people did some people did contact me afterwards and said that was kind of the kind of tilted the uh you know the decision over to getting out of harm's way
0: yeah i remember seeing that myself now i was at rutgers at the time so i was still soon. but when i saw that i'm like this is serious like yeah. you know the meteorologist in charge saying you can call me if you have an issue i mean that's I try to do that a little bit on my social media if there's ever something significant, but like, you just went there, and I don't think you didn't get any bad calls. I'm imagining after. No,
1: no. The only people did. The only calls I got, you know, after the fact, were just media folks contacting me to see if I'd gotten any calls. Yeah. I said nope.
0: Just just <laughs> just
1: you and a couple others, you know, who called it. to see see what was happening. Right. So, you know,
0: we like we in the media always like to know what's going on.
1: Oh yeah. Well, you knew yeah. you knew that I'd put that out there, so people just wanted to find out. You know, yeah. did anything happen? Now Sandy was so bad that that. that Everyone was, you know, dealing with that. There was wasn't
0: any complaints about. Gee, it wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now I'm going to flip the question on you. You know, what was a more challenging moment that you had during your time in National Weather Service?
1: Yeah. So yeah, the other the other side would be the um, um, would be the apology storm, mm-hmm. as I would call it. Yeah. So that was a January 2015. <laughs> Um, a personal that, plea of a different type. Uh, yeah, you know, basically we called for a, a bunch of snow, and it didn't. It didn't happen. We got some snow, but not nearly what was forecast. And um, uh, to circumvent what I felt was going to be a really bad, you know, reaction. Um, I went and uh, apologized for it uh, via via my favorite social media, Twitter. Yes. Uh, and uh, so and that got quite a bit of reaction. So kind of kind of took it away from the uh, storm uh, not really uh, de- developing anywhere near what it was supposed to do. Uh, you know, again, for, for people who don't remember, this is like in Philadelphia where they were supposed to get like up to 18 inches of snow. And I think the final total was about one and a half or two, yeah. you know. Yeah. So we didn't miss it. I think it there was a lot of dry earth in the north. Yeah we didn't, we didn't, yeah, we didn't miss it by a little bit. We missed it by, you know, it was a real swing and a miss. And so apologizing is not something that's normally done. Um, uh, and that got, it got some reaction. Uh, uh, the, the, my bosses weren't super thrilled in all uh-huh. candor. There were other people who thought it was... A bad idea, but the media thought it was a wonderful idea. I got all sorts of invites, which I couldn't honor because uh, we weren't going that way. But right. there were a lot of people who wanted to talk to me about you know what happened with that. But that but that didn't stop media and people in general from commenting on it, uh, you know. And and a lot of people viewed it positively. And it is kind of interesting, even though you know again one of the things I heard is well we don't do apologies or yeah. we don't apologize. You know you know since then Al Roker's apologized. Mm. There are mayors. Of multiple cities across this country, who, in a big snowstorm, didn't didn't materialize either that, or maybe they didn't handle a snowstorm well. I've seen more. I think I've seen more apologies over the past, uh, you know, three or four years uh, than I did prior. So, um, and then the only other thing I'll say, just on the apology thing, is just um, the reason why to apologize was just we're getting so good at this, we're getting so good at weather forecasting that people are really starting to depend on us, and so when people were like, oh, you know, they they always get it wrong, you know, they don't put a lot of stock in it. But now all sorts of stuff, you know, not just schools closing, but highways, transportation systems are shutting down, airlines are flying all their planes out, you know, every, there's a lot of money riding on these decisions. And so that in that case, I thought an apology was appropriate.
0: Yeah, I think if you use it sparingly right and it it, it, it's good and it shows that you're human too right i mean we're all human we're not just the national weather service we're not just the press of atlantic state there's people behind them you know one question uh we'll wrap up for this segment is you know being in southeastern new jersey the one thing we focus on a lot is coastal flooding uh we've seen more coastal flooding than ever before um you know we can go on and on about it but what's one thing during your time at the national weather service that you've done, or maybe just the National Air Service and Hull has done in the realm of coastal flooding, if we can kind of really tie that to South Jersey specifically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think and some of this, a lot of this work was, was ongoing when I was there, and then some of it, you know, in all honesty, continued after I retired, but I think I, I still want to focus on this. There's a lot of really good information now that available to people regarding coastal flooding that we didn't have, um, even uh, like five, 10 years ago, and what I'm talking about is like, we have things, again, in science term, hydrograph, but we now have charts that show people exactly how high the coastal flooding is gonna get at different locations, Atlantic City, Cape May, other locations mm-hmm. where we have gauges along, along the coast. So now not just a text product, a piece of paper, you know, with some numbers on it, now you've actually got a graph and you can see how high it's gonna get, and then when it's going to drop back down below flood stage again. So maybe then, you know, you can go back out there and try to do some cleanup. So we have a lot more detailed information. And that gets updated every six hours. So people get a new forecast, you know, as the storm gets closer, they get better planning. And that's just, we just had a hard time. Coastal flooding has always been important. It's one of the first things I learned, you know, when I came to Mount Holly was just how important coastal flooding was as an issue. Along the Jersey Shore and anywhere along the coast or up yeah. the Delaware Bay. But I think there's a lot more information, including graphic and imagery, that lay people can understand, as opposed to having to have some expert kind of tell you what it means. The the general public now can look at things and say, okay, this is what I see is going to happen based on the forecast, and uh, this is what I should probably start doing to prepare for it.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Gary. And coming up, we're going to talk about how you, yes, you, can be a part of the weather community. we're gonna do this one more time here now we're gonna talk about how everybody in the public whether it's yourself or someone you know can be a part of the weather community so Gary first question for you is what programs does either NOAA or the National Weather Service or the American Meteorological Society have that can actually make everyday people citizen scientists
1: sure we'll start with the uh, National Weather Service they've had a program for quite a while called Skywarn and that's um, uh, you, you get some training basically and then um, uh, you then call in reports. You get a Skywarn spotter ID, and uh, and then if there's hail, if um, you know you're measuring snowfall, um, if there's damaging winds, if hopefully you don't, but if for some reason you see a tornado, you right. know those are we don't. right, right, right. Um, that can be called in because that's really, you know, the weather services obviously has a lot of detection tools, uh, Doppler radar for a lot of the severe weather and satellites and stuff. But, you know, what really matters is is literally the ground truth, you know, how much snow has fallen. Uh, We have a severe thunderstorm warning out, which means one inch hail or greater. Uh, And then, you know, someone calls in a report and says, oh, I got hail an inch and a half, and it's still getting bigger, you know. So that tells us, okay, this storm is, you know, indeed severe, and maybe we need to increase the hail size and the warning update that's coming up here in another couple minutes. So that, those reports can come in, it can literally be used in real time to adjust or update uh, or in some cases even issue a a warning. So that ground truth is very critical to the whole uh, warning process for the National Weather Service. Okay. for uh, NOAA, um, again, you've got probably Raz is would be what I'd uh, you know first comes to mind, um, and this basically is um, it's a wave. weird acronym.
0: It's a, it it's, does it's, stand for something, uh, right?
1: Yeah, I know, and I'm not going to try to explain yes, it. Yes, I won't but, either. We'll but,
0: we'll just go. Yeah, with it.
1: but NOAA is support is supported by NOAA, and it's, it comes through this different state climatologist's office in each state. But basically, you get a you get a rain gauge, you get, uh, and you get told you know how to you know, um, uh, measure snow, the proper way to measure snow. And then again, this is more like a daily reporting. So this would be, you know, you go out at 7 a.m. and you measure how much rain fell. Or if there's a snowstorm going on, you're supposed to go out in the morning and do it. But, you know, you could go out like, you know, if it's if it's really coming down, you know, at one in the afternoon, you can go out there and measure how much you got and say, then you'll update it again. Right. You know, so so that's a way. And again, you'll see these reports. You know, of people say, you know, oh look, it snowed seven inches in this township, or it snowed five inches in this borough. The National Weather Service doesn't have all sorts of little people around. You know, <laughs> those are actually reports. Yeah. You know, most likely coming in from uh, Cocoa Raz observers, uh, sometimes Skywarn spotters, which we talked about previously. So, yeah. but Cocoa Raz is a great way to. You know, you go out at least once a day, as long as there was any weather, you know, you go out and, you know, clear your rain gauge, see what fell and report it in. So that's, that's real nice. That's uh, kind of an easy way if you don't want to be out there measuring hail while it's coming down. Yeah. You know, uh, Coco Ross is a, maybe a little gentler way to to report weather and see your reports in, in you know, reflected.
0: Yeah, and it's so easy to do Coco Ross. I did yeah. it this morning. We have one at our office. And all you do is you take the Coco Ross app and you just ping in what you have. You yes. know, it yeah. literally, it takes you, God, it might take me 20 seconds to do it. It's real right. simple to do, and it's yeah. pretty cheap. It's $30 to buy the rain gauge, and it's yours. So you're just buying the rain gauge, which is yours, and from there it's free. And, you know, in South Jersey, I, I always like to, I love talking talk about Coco Ross a lot. I mean, yeah. it's very easy to do. We're looking for people in Cumberland County. It's pretty thin over in Cumberland yes. County. Um, and Ocean County, too. Some parts, especially yeah. in Southern Ocean, is pretty thin as well. We actually did a... Uh, a piece, Gary, with uh, Dr. Dave Robinson, who runs okay. the state, cli- um, state Climate Program, but also runs the COCO Ross program. We did a piece, we did it in the press, and uh, we got about 20 people to sign up from it, just from that specific article. Excellent. So it was really great to have that. So, yeah. you know, that's one thing. And I know I said ping before, and I'm going to kind of slide it back over to you, because there's one more thing that I think you were going to tell me that that's really important.
1: Okay, about mPing? Yes. Yes. MPing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah That's another way um, To report in real time using an app using your phone and what that does is um, like this type type of year though This not has it's not been a very good winter for snow. No, but <laughs> uh, You know theoretically when you have these winter storms you could have rain you could have snow and sometimes it's hard to tell the difference uh, on the radar, there, there's signals there to kind of indicate, but this basically is a way to report in real time what you're experiencing, And again, and, but I see it a lot used for rain and snow, you know, you, if you have a radar app on your phone, and all of a sudden these little weather symbols will start popping up, and that would be MPing reports from the general public just basically saying, hey, it's raining where I'm at, or it's snowing where I'm at. Now, if you see wind damage, if you have, again, if you have hail, you know, you can put those reports in too, but I see a lot of it used for rain and snow. So again, that's not if just saying, hey, it's raining outside or hey, it's snowing outside and you can do this at home. You can do this, you know, if you're driving somewhere, don't do it while you're driving. Right. But when you park, you know, and you say, hey, it's snowing here, it was raining at home, but now it's snowing where I'm at. You can report it and, you know, obviously your phone knows where you're at. So then the report geolocates to, mm-hmm. to where you are. So again, it's real nice, uh, real time uh, reporting uh, that's fairly easy for people to, to use there's a lot of weather enthusiasts out there and sometimes you know they they might be wondering what I can do this is that's a real easy app to use on your phone great and you know real quickly
0: till we have uh, about a minute left so I'm okay. going to ask you two more questions first question is you know where do you see the National Weather Service going in the next 10 years for our specific office so Mount Holly which covers South Jersey What do you think is going to be the biggest focus for them during that period of time
1: I think the focus on, on, in general, and again certainly for the Mount Holly office is on impacts, and I think what uh, weather impacts, and so I think what the focus will be is on the communication of that. You know, and what I mean by that is an example, you know, eight inches of snow, that's pretty significant, but there's right. a big difference on the impacts if it falls at 2 a.m. on Sunday morning, because then most people are just like, oh, look, they wake up and they're enjoying. Yeah. Most people have to go to work. Uh-huh. If that falls at the rate of two inches an hour or at 4.30 in the afternoon on Monday during the rush hour, you've got gridlock. So the same amount of snow... Can have very different impacts, and that's that's where I see the focus going. Is not just assume, just not just throwing out the forecast, say hey, it's going to be eight inches of snow, but then this is what it means. This is, well, how it will affect you, uh, whether you're traveling or whether you're staying at home.
0: And we'll wrap up with this, keeping with the uh, National Weather Service in Mount Holly. Let's talk about the uh, current crop of meteorologists that are there. Some of which I'm friends with. Um, yes. You know, yeah. how do you? How do you uh, as you're kind of viewing your eye from the sky, viewing from afar, how do you uh, what are you most excited about about what they have brought over the past couple of years?
1: Yeah you know, weather is just this is the best it's ever been, and it's really exciting to watch them get better at it year after year after year, that there's never been a time where we've been you know better than this now you know, for tornado warnings or hurricane warnings or winter storm. So they're really are on the cutting edge. They're taking science and they're applying it. It's not just some research project sitting in the back. They're using the tools up the radar satellite weather models. And they're really uh, bringing it home in terms of putting out high quality forecasts. I just see
0: them keep getting better and better at it, and I, and I don't think they're done yet. They're going to continue. All right. Well, Gary, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Great. I know there's way more we can dig into. Maybe we'll have you back another time. We'll get you over so, here. And we'll talk more about, uh, especially about the anniversaries because they're, they're really big anniversaries for us here. But thanks again for your yes, time. sure. Thank we you. We appreciate it. And we're going to close out in just a little bit. watching something in the air a press of atlantic city program produced in partnership with stockton university something in the air the latest south jersey weather and our fact-finding award-winning journalism would not be possible without our readers and viewers and remember you can find the press of atlantic city all the time anytime at press until we see you again